no investor had traveled by bus. So they didn't understand the problem. They understood flight flights because they'd all bought flight tickets. How many investors had bought bus tickets? And with a 10% margin, they were not sure you could build a big company because they were all applying templates. Nobody was building a business ground up to address the India story. Welcome to Factor Daily Outliers. Uh, it is a podcast uh, with outliers. But today I'm really happy to have uh, Sanjay Anandaram with me, who, who is an outlier himself, but uh, he's also helped uh, groom and mentor some outliers. And one of the most notable ones that I can think of is one in summer of Red Bus. Uh, Sanjay, it's really good to have you today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, if I look back a few years ago and, you know, I, I look at a person who calls you his mentor, you know, Fanin Sama of Red Bus, and I look at this generation of entrepreneurs, very, very different people altogether. And uh, what do you think of an entrepreneur like Funny? In, in, in many ways, uh, it was the first internet economy exit, right, for, yep. for the Indian ecosystem. Yes. Now, it's another debate whether it was early or late. That's a different thing altogether. But as an entrepreneur, uh, how do you compare him with what we are seeing today? Uh, because for, for me, at least, from whatever little I have seen of him, he looks very different from what we are seeing today. Yeah. And did we lose an opportunity for someone like him to scale and build an organization? Yes. So funny is, at least my reading of him is, um, you know, he's, he's a person who's uh, deeply grounded, deeply grounded. He's a person who doesn't get swayed. He's a person who will always uh, question. He's a person who wants to go out and meet people and ask questions to learn for himself about what is happening, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate, etc. And he's a person who, um, in my view, very early on, uh, decided to be a, that he wants to create a company which had certain values. For example, honesty was a very critical line item. Uh, transparency. That is, I'm not going to give different sets of discounts to different bus operators, independent of the incentives they offered me. Everybody would be treated on par, big operator, small operator. Um, honesty, right, was another big thing. In fact, uh, I know a case where uh, uh, he uh, was asked to get off a train at night in the middle of nowhere in North Karnataka uh, because he wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, bribe the TT because he was carrying a photocopy of his... Uh, ticket and his ID, not the original, which you're, which you're supposed to carry. Uh, there were a few others with him in the similar state who happened to bribe the TT and carried on. But uh, he said, I'm not going to do that. So at middle of the night, he was dropped off. He got off the train, walked to the nearest town, right? spent the night there, and etc., etc. Right? 
so he's got those kinds of value systems and he's very stubborn about his uh, likes and dislikes and uh, what is possible not possible it takes a lot to change his mind um, so the good news is that he's a person who thinks about these things which to my mind is the most important starting point if you don't have thoughts that relate to such matters then having a conversation itself is moot because then there is no starting point for anything so i would say that yes in that sense i have found him to be very very grounded wanting to uh build a company that would have some impact and legacy with regard to his let's say uh, exiting or uh, red bus exiting i think it's a function of several things at that point in time uh, because there was no real intention to sell we were trying to raise money we had offers on the table and then naspers came along and uh, made an offer and at that point in time funny felt that he didn't want to carry on because i don't think he's a person who enjoys the operational aspect of running and building the company right it was more of an intellectual challenge for him because his background is that of a chip designer that is his background <laughs> so like i said you know end of the day if the dna of the organization is in line with what everybody around the table wants and seeks you know who are we to complain very interesting view i'm getting from you all about redbus like um just to add a follow up question to that are there three four things that apply as lessons from the redbus story yeah today in this context yeah. according to you yeah i think the most important thing is you know experience a problem first hand mm. right redbus started mm-hmm. because funny and company couldn't go home for diwali so to the problem experience first hand second learn to walk the street what that means is very few people i don't know how many entrepreneurs today travel by bus i don't know how many investors travel by bus right can you catch a bus go and to a small town where a bus operator sits sit across a table and talk to them in their language so that they understand what you're saying where you're coming from right so and then we walk the street means standing at street corners dishing out uh, coupons dishing out cards telling people about your company and essentially you know burning the shoe leather right that's the second thing third make sure that the frugality of a company is ingrained redbus used to make 10% of every ticket sold and when they started off the price of a bus ticket which is an interstate bus ticket used to be about 550 rupees let's say bangalore chennai hyderabad and so on average 550 600 that range which means you were making 55 rupees was your income right now you have to run a company which is technology marketing sales customer support etc plus your general rentals electricity everything else within that 55 rupees correct we 
uh, first two years or two and a half years, our entire marketing spend was about 20-25 lakhs. Okay. So frugality was a DNA. Okay. Fourth is the integrity of approach. That is, I will not play one operator against the other. I will not have differential discount schemes because a big operator wants to cut a deal. I will be fair to the small operator too. And a lot of big operators uh, abandoned Red Bus. So we lost business. Right? Hmm. But stuck to the gun and said no. It has touched the principle that we will be transparent, we will be equal, fair to everybody. So these are from very important, in my mind, very, very important principles. Goes back to the first point I made, what makes a business, a company and a company, an organization, it is these kinds of softer aspects, which are, which relate to company culture, which relate to process, right? Which relate to, to the kind of thinking that you build in a company. Like even today, right? Everybody talks about how frugal Amazon is. Yeah. Right? And that's a culture, right from day one. It's not so, nothing new. So, yeah. So frug frugality is not necessarily the function of how much money you have or you have not. It is See, more I about... Grew, I grew up uh, with, in Vipro, right? Frugality was our DNA. That's it. So you could agree with it, you could disagree with it, but you could not disregard it because that was the DNA of the company, for good reason. This is the final question on Red Bus. Okay, I find it very fascinating and I am also agitated because people seem to forget yeah. you know, such important institutions. Uh, from whatever you, you're telling me and from whatever little I know about Red Bus and Funny, it, it also looks like we lost quite an opportunity to scale that kind of an engine. Yeah. Uh, which becomes a massive institution, yeah. right? Yeah. Don't, don't, I mean, don't you feel yeah. that way? So there was, so there was a lot of uh, discussion around the table about what could Red Bus have, what uh, does Red Bus want to become? What are the opportunities ahead? How do we do it, etc., etc. But like I said, at the end of the day, right? The it is important that the team and particularly funny, uh, be motivated, energized to take this forward, mm. right? Because without that, there is no company and it doesn't make any sense. And uh, so the, otherwise, the company soul is lost. And we didn't believe, honestly, that anyone else at that stage, and I'm, we are now talking 2012, yeah. 2013, at that stage, had the mindset, the understanding, the respect, the uh, deep relationships okay, that Fani had. And the soul of the company would go away. For example, I'll, give you, I'll explain to you what I yes. mean. Every single bus operator respected Fani. Respected meaning genuinely respected. These are some of the most heavily connected, influential people. Okay, very, very influential, heavily, uh, uh, let's say, connected people in the industry. 
right, who would call Fani to their homes and talk to him and actually had so much regard for him that when they would ever come to Bangalore, would come and visit him and have dinner with him and talk to him, right? Because, and you know, he was a young person then. Yeah. He was not even 30, right? Uh, when he started off, he was 26, I think, 25. So imagine what it takes to generate respect. It's one thing to give you a discount and make you love me. It's another thing to say for you to respect me. You see the difference? Mm. It's very important, right? Um, his understanding of the business was just enormous. Okay, and he felt at that point that it was the right thing to do uh, for the company, right? And all of us at the table, so there was some discussion about should we do it, not do it, etc., etc. But finally, you know, because it was left too funny to take that call, and you know, he wanted to move, move on. Right? And, you know, so we all, we supported him in that effort. Um, because if you think what happened thereafter, right? So NASPAS acquired yes. uh, Red Bus. And from 2013 to 2000, and Red Bus was profitable. We had 30 crores in the bank. And that 30 crores, what, 80 odd percent of that had been raised in the previous round. We hadn't <laughs> spent it. Well, Okay, so when the company was acquired by uh, NASPERS MIH, what happened was two years thereafter, 2015. Last year is when they merged with uh, IB with uh, Make My Trip. Yeah. In two years, they took the company, they grew the company about five times, but were losing money. Mm -hmm. Right. So funny wasn't a person who believed in valuation for valuation's sake. Yeah. Very important point. Right? So like I said earlier, he's very grounded. He says, if I'm not being able to continuously add the value, I don't want to say something to someone that I cannot personally back up. And Sanjay, other thing is, uh, it also s sounds like a very unique India story to me. Unlike many other models in the internet that we are seeing, that also stands out, It's a out, unique right? story. I'll tell you why it is unique, uh, Pankaj. You see, you know, we spent, so when after Seed Fund invested in the company, right, it took us about almost 10 months, uh, I'm sorry, it took us about 14 months mm -hmm. to raise the next round. No investor was willing to invest in it. They won't touch it. And what was the reason? The model was not known. There was no success story in America. There was no uh, model available it in China. It wasn't an Uber of... <laughs> exactly. And like I mentioned to you earlier, no investor had traveled by bus. So they didn't understand the problem. They understood flight flights because they'd all bought flight tickets. How many investors had bought bus tickets? And with a 10% margin, they were not sure you could build a big company because they were all applying templates. Hmm. Nobody was building a business ground up to address the India story or the Bharat story. Yes. Right? So the Bharat story 
is where things become interesting and now going forward it is the bharat story that will become even more powerful mm. which means small towns for example people from vijayawada or traveling to let's say shirdi by bus how many people know that how many people know how many that people travel on pilgrimages right and therefore what is it that can be offered so it is that story that is important and it is not a story that can be built by throwing money at it it's a story that can be built by understanding what india is because india is many indias hmm. right hmm. india lives uh, in multiple centuries in multiple mindsets yeah. in multiple socio economic classes contemporaneously right so you have to understand that if you are building for india i'm very fascinated with red bus story funny himself a lot of people would look at him and say he's too simpleton to be an entrepreneur and i remember him telling me once about how once he cried in front of you during one of the problems he was facing and uh, he has cried he has in fact i you know so the point i'm trying to make is he, the emotion mm-hmm. with which he was building red bus was genuine is wasn't an emotion saying oh my god i have a great opportunity to make money mm-hmm. oh my god i'm going to be on the cover of this magazine you understand mm-hmm. it was an emotion driven by genuine passion the deep burning desire to make something happen somehow such people don't become serial entrepreneurs <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see he's so he's now of course you know is pursuing many other interests of yeah. his so yeah which is kind of so it's a very strange tale yes in that uh, he's not your cookie cutter serial entrepreneur you know cut and dry uh, emotionless in that sense yeah. uh quickly build something extract some financial value out of it um move on to the next thing and repeat it so there are people today who do that mm-hmm. and successfully mm-hmm. but funny is not that should entrepreneurs be like that i'm i'm sorry if i'm stereotyping this but the reason i'm doing this is because you talked about building india you know solving india's problems yeah so if you're doing that it looks like you seen that you see you should have that kind of a patient approach to building yes, things yes precisely i mean you just look around right i mean ask yourself how was amul built okay. long right? painful burn right started in 1947 60 70 years old so dr varghese kurian right painstaking so every institution every organization has to go through that cycle see rome wasn't built in a day right and india is a civilizational state it is not a nation state which means it has survived for millennia and has acquired a certain ethos which is deep rooted just because something has worked overseas doesn't mean it should work in india hmm. it should it should I mean, the question is not it should work in india the question is you should do what is right for the people for the country Right? and do it in the most productive efficient and valuable manner 
right you cannot transplant a model on something and do a, a, a tissue uh, transplant there will be a dna mismatch and there will be tissue rejection is it not so you have to understand you understand what the match is so you can't say us model or china model or xyz model therefore let's transplant it onto this it doesn't but, work but can you export the model i mean could redbus have become an emerging markets it could model? i i i believe it could have there were we had i think close to 11 or 12 unsolicited requests from different countries wow from malaysia from chile from turkey bunch of other countries the question was were we ready for it so so we took a decision saying no we are not ready for it so the point is that right so could we have grabbed that grabbed that opportunity and done something with it maybe we could have maybe we couldn't have i don't know should we have tried i personally think we ought to have but that's you know in hindsight everything looks good bad whatever <laughs> since you have seen generations of entrepreneurs uh you have worked with some of them closely as well you know the, this whole narrative which is going on about about funding exiting uh building sexy startups that grabs the attention of a larger company uh in your view how can we build companies and institutions that can form the backbone of india as an economy and And, and this new new economy yeah. uh, very broad question but sure. let us yeah. dive into yeah. it so you know uh, to be able to answer that uh, you know it will require a combination of a soothsayer an economist a sociologist a psychologist a technologist and everybody else which i am not but let me just hazard a, uh, an opinion uh, you know there are two three Uh, sort of uh, interconnected strands right the first is one must realize that a feature is not a product a product is not a business a business is not a company a company is not an organization right each of these is actually a log scale jump with regard to the qualitative aspects necessary to be able to build what you refer to as an institution if you take companies today that have stood the test of time they have transcended the immediacy of a company for example a panwala is a business right he makes more money than what he spends uh, is it a company when you work in a company when does a company become an organization when you when it transcends time when you meet somebody from that company it has a particular way of doing things there's a dna there's a culture there's a particular style with which it gets identified with uh, i'm not passing value judgments but when you meet somebody from that organization even after 10 years very easily people can identify and say this person is a google man this person is an ibm person this person is an infosys person a wipro person a reliance person etc so that is what happens when you start building an organization yeah. and that refers to therefore all the softer aspects of building a great bunch of people directed towards a specific long term outcome managed by the set of processes guidelines essentially the soft infrastructure of a company for example frugality right frugality is a great 
uh, element of an organization's DNA, right? It's a cultural trait, which means every single thing that you do would be frugal in its approach. So there's going to be a very non-flashy approach uh, to life. You know, I, I started my career with Wipro. And for example, integrity was part of DNA. Frugality was part of DNA. And careful thinking through of steps was part of DNA. Risk-taking was calibrated, right? So bunch of things and the quality of people that you hire, the training that they go through, uh, the kind of peering that happens, every single element on a 360 degree basis determines the culture. And culture is what, in my view, really makes a company an organization. And it has to stand the test of time. Now, coming back to your question about how do we build such organizations, institutions, etc. in India, look around you and ask yourself, which are the great institutions and organizations that India has, right, in the private sector? Uh, and ask what has made them stand out? Why are they quote-unquote great? Why are they quote-unquote awesome? You will notice that none of them has actually been publicity-seeking. None of them has had massively flashy people. Those who've been flashy have never built organizations. Uh, you know, the Kingfisher example comes to mind, uh, where you have a lot of flashy, a lot of media attention, a lot of uh, uh, lifestyle-based, uh, 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 you know, attention-grabbing headlines. But that's not exactly what related to creating an organization. So if you look around and you ask yourself, who are these great organizations that are around? And what's been the learnings or the abstractions we can get from there? And I think the answers will sort of suggest themselves very clearly. Coming back to the entrepreneurs today, right? There are, in my view, two kinds of entrepreneurs. Those who get carried away by the flavor of the season, by the media attention and uh, you know, all of those things. And those who put their heads down and continue to build. Take the recent uh, very successful IPO of this company called DMART, right? So Mr. Damania built this company up uh, slowly, quietly, carefully, calibrated way and built an awesomely successful company. Right? Now on the other hand, when we look at the so-called new economy, uh, new companies, you know, where do you see that? Do you see that around you or do you see a lot of uh, flashy stuff? I think it's natural that in a very nascent, young, evolving, new age entrepreneurial ecosystem of India where not only are entrepreneurs young and new, investors are young and new. So when you have first-time investors investing in first-time companies, in first-time sectors, run by first-time entrepreneurs and having first-time board seats, there's a massive amount of learning that's required all around. And therefore, it's very critical to keep that in mind while uh, wondering whether many of these companies will indeed go on to become organizations. If you look at today, for example, Nokri, you look at uh, Make My Trip, yeah. they've stood the test of time, at least entrepreneurial time, right? Uh, Nokri is about uh, 20 years old, uh, Make My Trip is about 16 odd years old, right? And they've been around doing the exact same thing and have built teams, have built cultures that is uniquely theirs. Right? And we will see over the next 10 years how they shape up, what, how they evolve, etc. And that's when you start really seeing what the backbone is really made of. So entrepreneurs are also thinking of exits or outcome, or at least they are made to believe that they must be thinking like that. 
So when you're thinking of exits and outcomes, how can you build an institution? Right. So there are two parts to this, right? One is building an institution, the other is the exit. And uh, if you're building an institution or an organization, exit is part of the journey. If you're thinking about just an exit, then the exit is the culmination of the journey, right? And that's the way to think of it. And there's nothing right or wrong, good or bad about it. That's just the way it is and the way that the entrepreneur is. And as long as there's an alignment of interests between the investors and the entrepreneur about what the end state of this company is, uh, I don't think there's any cause for any real concern. Uh, there are entrepreneurs who want to build organizations, right? And for those guys, an exit, which means let's say perhaps they take the company public, is just one uh, dot on the journey. And the examples I took earlier of MMT and uh, Nokri uh, are testimony to that. It's not that they, the company went public, the founders retired, started playing golf and uh, you know, essentially took their eyes off the ball. That's not the case. They're still deeply involved, they're still committed, they still are planning different moves and the next steps for the company because it's their heart and soul. And they're invested in creating a legacy and that's what essentially builds the organization. If, if we look at individual entrepreneurs of this generation, now some, you know, there is tendencies to sometimes say old is gold and people would cite, you know, not just the Tatas, but they would talk about Premji or maybe Narayan Murthy and, and, and that breed of entrepreneurs or that generation of entrepreneurs and you look around today and you talk about a Sachin Bansal or maybe a Girish Matrabhutam and, and a bunch of them. As someone who's had, I mean, you, you have seen these two different generations of entrepreneurs, do you find anything particularly, you know, in terms of very distinct from each other? Uh, how are they different? these two generations according to you or we are reading too much into it what's really happening yeah I think this generation um, has been in a sense fortunate and very unfortunate they're fortunate in that they've grown they're in an economy and a country and a general uh, set of circumstances uh, that is very favorably biased towards entrepreneurship uh, so there's money there's opportunity there's technology awareness, uh, people's willingness to join companies, regulation, all of those are far more favorably biased than was the case with the earlier generation. They're also very unfortunate in that there's enormous pressure and expectations, self-imposed as well as that imposed from outside, uh, thanks to the uh, huge sums of money that is flowing in, the media attention and, and all of those things. Um, that is unfortunately uh, playing on their minds, I would imagine. And here's the situation. None of the newer age entrepreneurs, and I would say a large majority of them, have had the benefit of working for very many years of in large companies to really understand what it means by way of process, what it means by way of managing people, what does it mean by way of handling conflicts, uh, to be able to really handle the stress and the pressures and uh, to really navigate the path, you know, very carefully. And you see that just because I start a company, I give myself a title of CEO, doesn't mean I have the capabilities of a CEO, right? For example, how many people have I hired prior to starting a company? Maybe I will learn, maybe I won't learn. 
maybe I'll screw up, maybe I won't screw up, but I don't know. Therefore, how do I help myself in learning all of these things? That is by surrounding myself, by, uh, by surrounding myself with people who have been there, who have done that, who can advise me, mentor me, coach me, right? And that is a very, very crucial thing. If you look around uh, at all successful firms, you know, whether starting off with uh, uh, the likes of Yahoo, which had Tim Kugel uh, advising Philo and uh, uh, Jerry Yang or Eric Schmidt at Google, uh, even Facebook, you know, had a bunch of uh, mentors, advisors, etc. Every single company started out had that benefit. Um, here, unfortunately, we don't have that to that extent because we haven't had that life cycle experiences both on the investing side as well as on the entrepreneur side. But things are changing. So I would say that the current generation is both therefore fortunate and unfortunate. And I think the onus is on them to essentially create the environment around themselves such that they're able to go out and create lasting entities. For a lot of... Uh people who want to become entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs or sitting on their fences. Uh, who, according to you, they should look up to? Who are the heroes? Uh, because uh, if you look at the oh, past two, three years, this whole internet economy boom and the e-commerce wave, and now we are seeing uh, a very different you know, shade of, of that boom. Uh, so if, if, if I were to start today, uh, who should I look up to? Yeah. So I think the issue is not so much who should you look up to, but what are the attributes you should want to learn from. Mm -hmm. Because who should I look up to is in many ways a function of how that individual or group of individuals is presented to me. Uh, and what is it that I wish to learn from any one of them. Because there are good things, there are bad things uh, from every single person. right? So it's very hard to really understand uh, who should I be looking up to? But the real question is, what are the attributes I want to seek? And that in turn is a function of what kind of company do I want to build? And therefore, where do I want to go? And therefore, what kind of abilities do I need? Both on the, from a pure personal side, managing people side, managing the market side, handling customers, building technology, every single aspect. So if I say that I want to build a organization that uh, is going to stay for let's say 100 years and really leaves behind a solid legacy, then what kind of a company should I be building? I can't build a get-rich-quick kind of culture, right? I need, a, I need a company that is able to think through, build the softer aspects of it and therefore what kinds of role models exist. Should I be looking at the Tatas? Should I be looking at uh, somebody else, at GE? It all depends on the, what the individual's goals are. For example, I don't care um, as long as I build a great company. I don't really care for ethics. I don't really care for value systems. Then I will look for something else. So it all depends upon what kind of a company the entrepreneur wishes to create. And then it's up to the entrepreneur to decide what kinds of role models he or she should look for. Uh, and for us who are sitting outside, it, does, it behooves us to be able to, uh, to uh, want to direct the company towards uh, uh, becoming A or B or C. I think what we should do is essentially help create aspirations that hopefully will benefit the larger ecosystem in general. For example, integrity. Mm -hmm. 
right? If integrity is non-negotiable, if ethics is non-negotiable, then we should value that. And therefore, we should be writing about or talking about or celebrating people who are demonstrating that and make that a valuable asset as opposed to uh, celebrating success at any cost, right? Uh, so there are those kinds of things, right? Behaviors inside a company. How do you treat people with respect, right? Simple things like that. Are those the values that we want to encourage? So in a sense, the question is a little larger as well, since it asks us to be more demanding of some of these kinds of aspects as well, as opposed to just talking about valuation and funding and who bought a new big house. Uh, uh, final question is, uh, do you still see opportunities for entrepreneurs like Funny and ideas like Redbus in India? Yeah, I think that is the opportunity now. That's see, clearly If you see what has happened, right, there's only so much coffee you can order on your new app. There's only so many new clothes you can order on an app, right? What are the other problems in this country? There's nobody who can say that India doesn't have problems. Any known problem to man, an unknown problem to man exists here. Uh, as a country, if hundreds of millions of people who don't speak English, who can't, who are largely illiterate in English, are going to come online, surely there will be opportunities. And it's not just consumption of the kind that we are all used to. It's going to be new kinds of things that will be get consumed. New kinds of behaviors will have to be understood. A person who's in North Karnataka is very different from a person in South Karnataka. Right? New kinds of uh, businesses will evolve. Right? So I think there's enormous opportunity, enormous. I think uh, the game has just about begun. I think we're probably in the first minute in my view, as far as India is concerned and as far as Bharat is concerned. I think there's a huge opportunity. We have 50 million plus small and medium enterprises in yeah. India. Right? What are we going to do with those guys? Right? Uh, now with Aadhaar, with uh, uh, blockchain, with UPI, you know, suddenly a lot of newer things will evolve. And I believe that over the next five years, you will see enormous change occurring because of these underlying technologies, right? There's the India stack and all of those things. So the underlying infrastructure will only get better. And therefore, the kinds of offerings, the kinds of entrepreneurs, they all need not to be billion dollar companies. They'll all be highly localized, it's solving local problems, right? So I think those are the kinds of things that you will see. There's nothing wrong in not being a billion dollar company. Absolutely not. As long as you, why should it be wrong, yeah. right? So I think that's a, that's a myth. Um, you know, if you read about, if you read uh, what the founder of uh, Basecamp says, right? You, you know, the project management company out of Ireland, he runs a very profitable company. He's large, he's in control, he's never raised outside money. You should just read his blog. He says, what's wrong with this? Right? I mean, all of us have a terrific life. Yeah. Right? So the point is, like I said, we should ask ourselves, what is it that you seek out of your life? Not what is the mantra from Silicon Valley. Right? And my mantra, sitting in Bangalore, or sitting in Mirat, or sitting in Hubli, or sitting in Coimbatore, wherever, will be very different. Yeah. Why should I do what some entrepreneur in Silicon Valley is doing? Why should that be my mantra? Clearly. Right? So the point is, a person becomes an entrepreneur not to fulfill somebody else's dream, 
but to fulfill his own. Right? And as long as you achieve that, you fulfill that in a manner that you feel proud, you have achieved your goals. Why should any one of us pass judgment on that? I think you just nailed it for me there, right there. Right? And I also believe that uh, it's good we dive deep into the Red Bus story because it's important to relive yeah. that story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's an enormous amount of lessons you see. Yes. If you don't have core beliefs, yes. core values, core um, uh, regards for things, right, then what's the point of being anything at all? Thank you, Sanjay. I mean, I'm so happy we dive deep into these topics. Other ones we will do, sure. do later, but this was really useful. Thank, Thank you, you very Sanjay. much. Thank you. My pleasure. Take Thank care. You.